This is the audio-only version of MedTwitter This Week. If you're interested in seeing the full video, please check us out on YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter. Let's hit it. All right, welcome back to MedTwitter This Week. My favorite thread this week came from one of my good friends, and I've known her since college, actually. Mm -hmm. And well, you can sort of hear her a little bit, so I'll, I'll send it over. So this is, there you <laughs> go, Avio Glasser. Hello, thanks for having me, Chris. It's good to see you. I know we've, we've been DMing and tweeting, and I don't know if I've heard your voice in a couple of months, let alone seen your face. It's been a while, it's been a while. It's just been an eternity. So, in general. so my favorite tweet this week, um, and you actually reached out to me just because we were talking beforehand, but you tweeted uh, about a, a topic that is near and dear to your heart, and you've actually done quite a few grand rounds. Um, I think you've done SGIM sessions on this, and it's probably something that a lot of people on Twitter are aware of, but may not know all the nitty gritty. Um, and it's about how to use Twitter and tutorials in order to um, from an academic standpoint, is that mm -hmm. right? That's right, yeah. So um, I don't just enjoy using Twitter professionally or engaging on med Twitter professionally. I've actually really, really cultivated an interest in analyzing how and why we use med Twitter effectively. And part of that is sort of looking to adult learning theory to explain, like when we say to our colleagues or our stakeholders or our boss at our, an annual review, like I do this and it works and it's effective, why is that the case? So I've had the, the, the pleasure and privilege of being able to talk uh, in several different settings, including at the OHSU level, a um, couple different grand rounds. This was um, based on, uh, so Logan Jones and I, one of our soon to graduate third year residents, did a joint grand rounds for the OHSU Educators Collaborative uh, last Wednesday um, that really kind of went into some of these theories in more depth. Um, now, this is, it's got some similar things to your previous talks. Mm -hmm. how, how was this one different from your previous ones? So when I usually talk about Twitter, I like to, in 45 minutes to an hour, I like to paint a broad overview of the landscape as best as I can without getting, without being too superficial on any of the topics. But I think there are a lot of reasons and a lot of themes with how physicians or physicians in training or others in healthcare use med twitter and i think it's important like when you're when you're presenting an intro or, or really trying to sell the platform on people who might be skeptical or are using it but think they can optimize their use um to, to um, paint a broad landscape to cover as many themes as possible so when i talk about twitter i'll talk about uh you can learn like you can yourself consume learning um you can use it as a way to teach you can use it as a way to role model and mentor um, and both mentor and sponsor and be on both the receiving and the giving end of mentorship and sponsorship, you can use it to promote and, and protect and safeguard diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you can use it for advocacy. Uh, but for certain audiences, like the audience we had last week, we got much more granular with the adult learning theory. Again, that was, our audience was the educators collaborative, but really got much, much more, more granular and nuanced with when we say that a tutorial is an effective way to, to teach, why is that the case? Or reading a tutorial, especially as an adult learner, is an effective way to absorb content. Like I know you had Tony on last week and analyzed one of his tutorials. But when somebody says, I read this tutorial and I really got a lot out of it, like there's, there's a reason to that, which is really cool. So from, from your research and, and studying to, to explain this to other educators, like what, what, can you explain to us what, what it is about these tutorials that 
that um, are effective in, in teaching? Yeah, um, so there, there are a couple ways that I like to approach it. There are different, uh, you know, different theories we can apply or different principles we can apply. Honestly, I'm going to take us back a couple of summers. One of the biggest light bulb moments for me when I started like thinking in this way was uh, the Curbsiders episode, the second episode with Gupreet. I think it was like 103 or ish. I don't know. Uh, but it was like July. <laughs> I don't know. It was like July of 2018. And it was his train your brain episode. And he talks about the adult brain does not learn effectively by just sitting and passively absorbing content for an hour. So adults don't learn well from a traditional lecture. Um, but, but things that make us engage in, with the material more, um, in, that includes discussion or dis dissection or participating in polls, micro simulations, mini challenges. So like you study something and then you go back and look at it a week later, or a few days later. So sort of space learning, space repetition. You see a lot of stuff with space repetition, especially with the curbsiders, um, virtual morning reports. Um, uh, other, th I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> drawing a blind, putting my foot in my mouth at the moment. Um, but like the micro simulations, so like if you go through like a New England Journal case challenge where you have to stop and pause and ask yourself questions along the way, that can really make you absorb the contents uh, and be much more likely to remember the clinical pearls the next time you encounter them. So a tutorial, as an example, the way, because you really, really well constructed tutorials are that it's, it's multiple small feedings. So you're getting, you know, 280 character max nuggets at a time rather than like a huge dense paragraph. Um, there may be tools embedded. So polls, um, polls at the beginning, polls all the way through. Like Tony's great at like doing multiple quizzes to guide you through the discussion. He really uses them like as a method of Socratic teaching. Uh, you know, Adam Rodman has riffed on this too. You know, we say it's Socratic method, like it's a bad thing, but Socratic method, like teaching through questions can be really, really effective. Um, and then Logan, I'm gonna give a huge shout out to Logan because he really prepared this section of the talk. Um, specifically pulled in several different principles of learning and then applied them to, to, to tutorials. And I tried to put, I, I put these um, representative slides, the screen grabs in the, the thread that I tweeted. All right, so I'll, he talks I'll make about, sure to, to show it somewhere in the video. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to highlight the three that he spent the most time talking about. There's one called dual channel principle, limited capacity principle, and active processing principle. So dual channel principle implies that the human or the adult brain can utilize two types of learning simultaneously. So um, you can read text and absorb the content of an image. Um, so like a tutorial where there is embedded media, either video or pictures with a short description of text accompanies them that, that speaks to dual channel principle. Um, the limited capacity principles is sort of a corollary that, that again, shorter, brevet, shorter, briefer can be better. Uh, Logan did a great analysis of, um, so uh, Tony had done a survey analyzing optimal tutorial length a while ago, and 12 was the, 12 was the, what had, was settled on. And Logan did the math. If you multiply 12 tweets by 280 characters, it's still less than 3,500 characters total, not words. So not 3,000 words, 3,000 characters. It can be enough for effective teaching. And then I'll talk about other principles that you could take a graph, you could take a table from a uh, major publication, and then using the tech that, you're, that you've got, uh, you know, your iPad, um, 
you could highlight, you could circle things in a graph, you could use arrows. So you can draw the, the reader's mind um, to the core learning points and not just throw stuff at them. And then the active processing model, sort of things that we talked about already, that you build upon discussion, you build upon learning that's already been exposed, you solidify it, you hone it, you make it interactive. So you teach something in a visual format and then you loop back to it with like one of these sort of Socratic-esque method Twitter polls. And then you put it all together and it's like, okay, I read it at Tony or I read Avi Cooper's tutorials or you know, there are so many people who do this really cool work and you walk away and go, oh, now I know why I feel like that was so effective and satisfying for me. And, you know, I, those are, those are so, and, you know, the thing is, I think some people who, had, who started early in the tutorial process and found great success, it may, they may not have understood initially how all these different, I mean, you know, possibly, I mean, I've understood how all these tools actually are doing it, but this is now how we reflect it now and why it continues to be popular. I think that that's why, yeah. why it's been so effective. And mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite um, books, I don't, I've talked about multiple times on the Curbsiders is um, Making It Stick. And um, it's just, a, it's a great book by, yeah. um, by Peter C. Brown and et al. <laughs> and um, yeah, there you I go. think, you know, space repetition is discussed a lot in there, you know, as well mm -hmm. as um, what you talked about in terms of how Tony goes to questions before he goes to the tweets. Those are um, even before you, you so pre-testing, you know, is about priming the, the brain, the mind to then talk about something. I think yeah. these are all things that are somehow integrated in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so it's just... It's, it's just impressive and just so so enjoyable. One of the my favorite things about Twitter and um, what you know this sort of platform I'm trying to do is sort of to highlight these. You know, I don't know if someone's gonna flip through a tweet and sit and watch a video for 15 minutes, but I'd be more than happy to do this and then you know at least rethread and reamplify all these tweets underneath this as well. So um, yeah, <clears throat> I think it's cool. like I was just I've been doing some work with. Um, with Teresa Chan, who's very big on Twitter, really trying to, I've had discussions with her on what's the difference between digital scholarship and scholarly teaching on a digital platform. And I think a lot of us, especially, um, you know, those who are actively have par participating in these conversations about how do I make this count on uh, a CV? How do I make this count in a P&T application? You know, again, what's the difference between like, oh, this is interesting and it, this is time spent, um, but is it scholarship? Um, and this, this question is floated around too, and I think Tony will, will participate in these conversations. Like, is a tutorial, is a very well-prepared tutorial scholarly teaching, meaning you've done reading and you've incorporated it, or is it de novo scholarship? Now, I know um, you've, you've talked about, you know, this digital scholarship multiple times. You know, you've been on Mark Shapiro's Explore the Space show talking about, I think you guys developed like a white paper on this. And um, um, something I, like I, that. <laughs> I, think, I think things, I mean, these types of things, especially if they get broad reaches, can easily be placed on a CV to show that you have some sort of national or international recognition. I think you talk a little bit about some of these in, 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 your, in your talk and your tutorial as well, right? Yeah. Um, I certainly, or yeah, it certainly came up in the talk. I think I tried to allude to it in that thread that you're going to highlight. Um, but it's just really cool to see, like, what are the existing frameworks, and then how can we not, you know, we've we've all got kids, you know, the the square peg and the round hole. We're not talking about like wedging ourselves um, and and applying very disparate structures into 
traditional structures. Like we are using the traditional structures, so like classics criteria for scholarship, and we are applying it and showing and highlighting how there is a lot of overlap. So Sherbino and his group have an article where they really create a criteria for digital scholarship that pings off of classics criteria. It says like when we make it or for social media based scholarship. So you take existing definitions and evolve them rather than scrap them. And they are, they need to evolve. Times are changing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's definitely the understatement as, of the week. Of the, especially of the as we're year. seeing all these uh, these conferences being scrapped, but yeah. then a lot of these um, now we're doing like virtual abstracts and we're doing virtual conferences where we still have speakers and things that we're, we're all trying to evolve in, in, in these times. And definitely um, our idea of what scholarship is also needs to needs to evolve. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I got a, a publication alert just this morning from MedEd Publish, which is an online journal. And the title of the paper, uh, it literally just came out, was Rethinking Scholarship in Medical Education During the Era of the COVID-19 Pandemic. Yeah, and it was published today. And I think um, I was recently uh, reached out to by... Um um, Dr. Avi Cooper, who's a poem critic. The other Avi of Mitchell. The other Avi. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so and I'm Avi Tall, he's Avraham, but we're both, we <laughs> both go by the nickname Avi. So we're the two Avis of the Twitter. A lot of cool Avis in the world. Um, the, uh, I think uh, uh, ATS Scholar is another, another platform that's more of like an online platform that looks like has, um, they're trying to, they're trying to build up as well. So definitely we're seeing, you know, in addition to a lot of these open source journals that came up, you know, over the last couple of years too, I think this is this is a, a way in which we are sort of evolving what we think is, is scholarship. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, so I think um, I'm going to let people go back review your tweet. I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions this week. So first, uh, first one is from Jonathan Ryder, who looked at the dogma of VTE, um, mm -hmm. you know, PEs and DVTs, and the association with fevers. So he does a really great deep dive into um, does it exist, and if it does mm -hmm. exist, what are the potential mechanisms? So I would check that out. Um, the great Elliot Tapper did another, of course, liver. Um, liver tutorial. He looked at um, beta blockers and cirrhosis. I would definitely encourage people to really take a look at that because um, it, there were actually some very, for me, I, I got, obviously I'm not look, the smartest person in the world, but I think there were some very surprising things that I learned from that. Um, another one that my last honorable mention is from Dr. Brianna Ruiz Christophers, and she had a really great tutorial. And I think she, she and a couple other um, authors, they wrote an article about um, race is not is not a risk factor. And this has definitely been discussed a lot recently, but she wrote an article and then she also wrote a tutorial surrounding it. Um, I think it's so important and it shows the historical context of, of using race as a risk factor and how it, by you know, modern medicine perpetuating some of these thoughts really does a disservice to our patients and our patients are gonna be hurting for it. So I would, um, I'll link them both in um, below this tweet as well as in YouTube below and then in the title description for the podcast version of this. Um, so those are my overall mentions. Um, so before we get to your favorite pick of the week, Avi, what is your honorable mention? I've got a couple and I, th I think we were chatting beforehand and I think we are like-minded for some of these, so I get to say them. Um, a lot of discussions uh, as AMC was, the AMC announced that um, it seems like interviews for residencies will be virtual this year. I think we're still finalizing that. Um, I think there was some criticism that, that 
it was a little premature and that not all stakeholders were engaged, but I'm not privy to all that information. But anyway, uh, last Friday, no, sorry, last Thursday, Brian Carmody, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, did a really, really fantastic thread on like who wins, what are the pros and cons? Really, it was who wins, who loses if all residency interviews are virtual and just walked through so many factors and was very intentional with um, calling out concerns when it came, comes to gender inequity and, and racial inequity in the a virtual interview process and was just uh, incredibly thought provoking and, and hypothesis generating, I think for a lot of people. My second honorable mention is um, there were several threads that amplified off of Brian's original thread. The one that caught my attention first was Rocky Bayani's thread um, that really started to get, try to get granular with what does it mean for residency programs to, ha to have to improve their virtual and their digital presence or their online presence, um, both to share information about themselves and then, uh, as she phrased it, find best practices for virtual interactions. Um, and that started a discussion that went on through the entire weekend. She posted that like sometime on Friday and even through Sunday, people hey, were contributing yeah contributing to that discussion. I was contributing to that discussion. And one of the facets, not the only facet, but one of the facets was how important are program social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, going to be in this new application cycle, especially if we're conveying culture. So, so much of what happens at an interview day is you are there and can soak up the intangibles and not just learn, you know, confirm the tangibles of a program or the specifics of a program, but how can you convey fit and feel and culture um, remotely? And that, and just the topic of using, yeah, just the topic of how a, a program, a residency program or a fellowship program, Twitter account, which is one of my in interest areas, can truly convey culture uh, and relate what the relationships are like between faculty and residents. Um, I think I think we're really going to see that as as crucial in the next year. So those are my two honorable mentions. Um, can I have one more honorable mention before I get to my final? Go for it. It's, it's my show. I, I got to make the choices. Neck neck. So yeah. it's neck and neck. It's neck and neck. Okay, um, go for it. The other one, uh, I think I was. I told you initially I was going to. This is my anyway. Um, so there was a thread by uh, Maylin Martinez, who I believe is at University of Chicago. She wrote a thread summarizing her take-home points from Mark Shapiro's last episode of Explore the Space. So Mark did a two-part with Vinny Aurora and Samir Shah about what the Journal of Hospital Medicine has been doing recently um, to push forward publications related to COVID, and especially leadership-related publications. And she wrote a thread summarizing that. I think that's also a great example. It's a great honorable mention because it talks about it, it shows how these platforms these digital platforms can really cross pollinate each other and it's not just twitter 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 but what you see in the curbsiders is one example and, and you're in med med twitter this week is one example it may be a podcast but there's a very strong twitter presence or a discussion starts on twitter and ends up in a podcast um so very powerful uh, takeaway points in that thread and just a good example of of how these novel platforms um, intersect with each other. Um, definitely, so, there, are, there are people also, you know, I don't quite understand it, but I, I think there are people who've taken on TikTok and in, in a, in a novel yeah. way too. Yeah. Definitely some pediatricians I've seen out there as yeah. well as, you know, we've already talked about Dr. Dr. Glockenfleck in previous episodes, yep. um, not just humor, but also education, especially yeah. for our, our, our um, 
the younger population who are on these platforms. So, All right. So then my final pick for the week. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my colleague at OHSU, Erin Benura. She's one of the APDs for the Internal Medicine Residency Program. Um, she's an infectious disease doctor. She does a ton with med school curriculum, and I apologize that I'm botching what that exact title is, but it's a lot. She helped run a, a med student intercession that was delivered virtually last week, and COVID-19 became the theme throughout, but they touched on so many different facets of COVID-19, and Erin wrote about 15 to 20 tweet-long threads every day summarizing the curriculum the curricular content that was delivered. So again, talking about the value of a tutorial or a thread to kind of make things more permanent. And it was just incredible what, what themes they talked on. They talked about virology and epidemiology and disaster response and mental health and ethics and resource utilization and health disparities. Um, the one that I'm going to specifically highlight, because there were five of them, is she did a thread about Jennifer Spicer, so another med Twitter name, uh, her talk about communication and misinformation in the social media era as it pertains to education and public outreach and advocacy regarding COVID. So can you explain a little bit? I'll try to link uh, Jennifer's, Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Spicer's tweet as well. Like, mm -hmm. Do you want to explain a little bit about how she used her tweet in, in discussing that a little more? Like what was the content of the tutorial? Yeah. Or how, how, why, why she used that as an example. Um, yeah, so I mean, they talk about how, uh, I'm just sort of skimming through this tutorial as, as I've got this up on my second screen. Uh, they talked about the use of, of dedicated hashtags, like get me PPE. Um, they talked about things that we talked about earlier in the discussion that using visuals um, can share impact. So they shared uh, one of uh, Jennifer Spicer's visual abstracts um, to talk about risk of transmissions, whether or not with, with or without wearing masks. Um, I think they talked about how um, you know, like a really, really good visual abstract and pictographic representation could have more impact than just a lot of busy text. Uh, yeah, I think those are the highlights that I got from it. I definitely think that, you know, the use the, and the growing use of visual abstracts as well as, you know, especially on curbsiders and on, on Core AM and, you know, CP solvers, definitely infographics and just graphical representations, just like we discussed earlier in with your initial tweet and what Logan Jones, uh, you and Logan Jones have been talking about in terms of how these visual things can definitely help enhance learning. Um, I think that just sort of goes hand in hand with that entire discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's really the end of it. I think before I let everyone go, I'm going to... Um, Showing, I'm, going, I'm going to share another visual thing. So um, Travis Smith had a, an amazing picture of urinary tension and how it was compressing the iliac vein. So I'm what? going to show that right here. <laughs> and so I, you know, as many, as many tutorials as Travis Smith has put out over the years, and especially he, he'll even like tutorial like curbsider episodes. It's been fantastic. Yeah, he's been, doing them for the, he's been doing them for the, the clinical problem solvers VMR virtual morning report. Which and he recently? phrases them as spaced learning. Right. Like he'll post them a day or two after the episode and he'll walk through the discussion. Yeah. So I guarantee Travis will be on the show at some point in the future. But until that time, you should definitely give him a follow. Um, and so I'm going to leave, leave it with that. Now, Avi, do you have anything you want to plug before I let everyone go? Stay safe. Wash your hands. Um, I'd say keep role modeling for your family and your friends, especially those who aren't in medicine. 
I know there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, I think even though those of us in, as you know, physicians, students, like there's a lot on our plate right now and I'm still trying to be very just present with like being available to answer questions because if people are asking questions, they're trying to get information and rather than get accurate information, then misinformation and potentially put themselves in harm's way. I guess I couldn't say it better than myself. So if, you, if you're watching this on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, please like, follow, subscribe. If you're listening to on the podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes. I appreciate everyone listening or watching. So have a good day. See you guys next week. Bye. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out what